Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I want to say thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity for you to know God. We also believe small groups, the best thing we do, are your opportunity to find freedom. For more information, including locations, service times, which small groups to participate in, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. My prayer for you as you listen to our message today is to encourage you and to help you take your next step to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Let's jump right into the message. Today, I am excited to finish our summer series. We've been looking at our seven core values. I wanna thank all the pastors that have preached these last five weeks, Pastor Bo, Pastor Elmer, Pastor Jordan, Pastor Mike Campbell. Get up off of that thing. Man, that was the funniest sermon opener ever. I loved watching him sing that with the band. I don't know if you know this, Mike Campbell suffers terribly from CRD, Caucasian Rhythmic Disorder. So (laughs) the fact that he could sing that was really great, but notice he didn't dance a lot. He didn't dance a lot. That's a funny joke, I don't care what you say. I have it too, that's why white guys, normally when we dance, we just do shoulders, because that's all we got. Normally it's on one and three instead of two and four. It's an issue, many of us deal with it. Anyway, and then Pastor Aaron Allison, our overseer, preached last week. And today I'm gonna kind of wrap up that whole series and I wanna talk again about what they are and why they matter and what you can do to grow in these seven areas of your life. I want everybody to do me a favor, take out your notes, do it on your phone, do it on the card, or take that three by five index card or your worship guide and, uh, and take good notes today. At the end of our message, we're gonna do some personal inventory like a personal quiz. There's no pass or fail. There's no turning it in. This is between you and the Lord to ask God, how can I grow in these areas of my life? So we've been talking about these seven core values, these teachings, and we've been looking at them one by one. This is a great time for us to reevaluate some things as we head into August. By the way, August 1st, we start 21 days of prayer as a church, and this is a great time to be praying about, Lord, hey, grow these areas of my life. So we're gonna have an opportunity to talk about it at the end of the message and evaluate ourselves and see how we're doing. So as you get through the notes, I want you to go ahead right now and just number either your index card or your notes, one through seven, like you're taking a quiz, right? And we're gonna give you all seven of these values again quickly, and then we're gonna assess our... You've been hearing it a lot. We've been using language of our core values because I believe these aren't just for the church corporately. This isn't just language on the walls in the office. The church is not a company. It's you, by the way. The church is us. And so these are values that I think are valuable and beneficial to you and your family. The first value, we say what what they are. Our first value is we love God. Can I hear an amen from the church today? By the way, y'all gonna have to talk back to me today because I'm gonna get my preach on. All right, everybody? We love God. I'm just gonna tell you without apology, we are a Christian church. We follow the teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We honor the word. We believe the Bible. We believe Jesus is the greatest leader ever. We love what he loves. We reject what he rejects. We think his word tells us over and over again to love God fully and to love God first. Throughout all of scripture, we're told, put God first, love him more than anything. We're to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Listen, We believe in God, the triune Godhead. First of all, God the Father. We believe in God the Father. And we live our lives to bring glory and honor to God the Father. The Bible says he loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son to die for our salvation. We love God the Father because he loves us so much. How many of you are thankful for a God in heaven who loves us deeply? Second, we believe in God the Son. 
Jesus Christ, who the Bible says in the book of Colossians, he left heaven to come to earth to be one of us. He came in the form of a baby to offer his life as a ransom, to live a sinless life, to defeat the power of sin, to overcome the sting of death, to live as a ransom, to give his life on a cross so that you and I can have eternal life and be victorious over sin. We love Jesus. We love the gospels. We love his teachings. We love the way he lived. We love the way he taught. We love his ways. Can I hear an amen? We love Jesus, everybody. Many of us struggle with the next part of the Godhead. We believe in God the Father, we believe in God the Son, and we believe in God the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you grew up in a church that was like, man, God the Father, the big eternal judge with the lightning bolt, Jesus the hippie, our best friend, our bro from heaven. First of all, that's bad theology anyway. And then you were like, but stay away from the Holy Spirit. That's the weird stuff. Let me just tell you something. We're not even saved without the Holy Spirit. Like we've taught forever, invite Jesus into your heart. No, no, no. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit who comes into your heart and takes up residence in you. And you aren't saved without the Spirit of the living God on the inside of you. So we believe in God, the Holy Spirit, and we love God, the Holy Spirit, who fills us, who empowers us, who convicts us of our sin, who speaks to us. How many of you thankful we have a God who speaks? Amen, everybody. He reminds us of the Bible. He reminds us of the word of God. And sometimes the Holy Spirit of God enables us with divine enablement called gifts of the Holy Spirit to do some pretty amazing things, like lay hands on the sick, like speak a word of prophecy, like pray in other tongues. Can I hear an amen from the church? We love God. There should be nobody in your life as a Christian who doubts whether or not you love God. It's our first statement. It's our first standard. It's our first value. Jesus said in Mark 12, we must love God and love others. That's our second value. We love people. Listen, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to us your background, your backstory, what kind of church you came from, your baggage, your pain, how long you've been in church, what denomination you grew up in, or if you've never heard of Jesus. We love people. You know why we love people? And we love all people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. How many of you struggle with that statement? Mm Mm-hmm, well, we love all kinds of people. We love you no matter your skin tone, your racial background, your financial history, your age. I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care who you date or who you vote for. We love you. You know why? Because God loves you. And because we love God, we love who God loves. Now listen, we may not agree with you. Like listen, if you have a cat, I don't agree with you, but I still love you. And I'm not having dinner at your house because there's cat hair in the food. There's just bound to be food hair in the food. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. If you're an Alabama fan, God be with you but I still love you. I'll pray for you. You need a miracle. And then I'll pray for your deliverance. Can I get a witness to somebody? We love all kinds of people. I don't care what you vote. Listen, did you know in 280 years of America's history or however long, this is what we got. (laughs) Like neither system have fixed all people. You understand that, right? Like I love people who vote differently than me. I love people who believe differently than me. I love people. You know why? Because God so loved the world. We've said it like this at LifePoint Church. Everybody's welcome here to have their lives wrecked by Jesus. You give God a year of your life, I promise you. You let the Holy Spirit deal with you for a year. You might be in some weird sexual sin. You might be in some weird uh, drama in your life. You might be in greed and lust and, and, and whatever kind of issues. You might be in some unforgiveness. You might vote weird or think all the social stuff is crazy. Give God a year of your life. He'll transform you. We don't need God's people judging you into transformation. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit transforming us from the inside. But we love that you're here. I don't care what your background is. Jesus had a real knack 
for attracting all kinds of people, sinners and saints, tax collectors, prostitutes and, and priests, church board members and pastors. Jesus loved everybody and we do too. You know why? Because we love God, we love people. It's hard to say you love God and love people and mistreat them. It's hard to say we love them, but not those kind of people. Not the folks that voted this way. Not the folks that were pro-vaccines or anti-vaccines. Are you kidding? Like we just love everybody. Let Jesus have his way with people. Can I hear an amen? Our third value we say is we choose joy. It's a choice. Everybody say, I can choose it. Because sometimes, how many of you know, we just aren't that joyful? Anybody got teenagers? <laughs> I'm talking about your kids, not mine. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Some of us grew up in churches where we were like, I was glad when they said unto me, church is over. Let's get up out this mode. I don't know about you, but I think coming into the house of the almighty God where the Lord meets with his people should be the highlight of our week. But I don't know, man, if you're part of a church where they don't love people very much and they love rules and religion, man, that's not very joyful. But we choose joy. We like to laugh. We choose a joyful disposition and attitude. Our world is full of enough negativity, drama, and pain. And I don't say bury your head in the sand and ignore it. I'm just saying choose to smile. Choose to be inconvenienced. Choose to say hello. Choose to serve when it's not the right good time for you. Choose to live with joy. We choose joy. We know that a life in the kingdom of God is always better and fuller than a life focused on what this world has to offer. We choose joy because the coming of Jesus was the coming of joy to the world. The Lord has come and we serve a good God who brings joy into this world. Man, I'm a glass half full person generally. And there's sometimes I just gotta choose joy. You told me, hey, somebody called me and said, Pastor, my house burned down. Oh my gosh. I'm like, well, at least you're still alive and weren't in it. Praise God. We got something to celebrate. I hate my car. Are you kidding? Well, at least it's not a motorcycle. Good Lord, I need four tires. I'm top heavy. I'd fall over anyway. Just <laughs> choose joy. Glass half full. And I'm having trouble in my marriage, but you're married. And I don't like my job, but I got a job. And I don't have enough money, but you got some money. Just choose joy. Just laugh a little. Eat some ice cream. Serving kids ministry. Let a three-year-old just fart on you. You know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> just laugh. Just be, some, of you are like, some of you are like, what did he just say, Margaret? <laughs> just choose joy. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Number four, we, <laughs> we pursue excellence. Thank you. I'll be here all week. We pursue excellence. Notice we pursue because I don't believe we'll ever attain excellence because we're not God, but we chase it. We go after it. You know why? Because everything God did, does is good. Did you know when he created, he didn't look back at one day of creation and was like, nah, I could have done better, but you know, I was a little tired. He looked at every day of creation and he goes, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. It is very good. Everything God does towards you, by the way, is good. Now he may let you go through some dumb stuff that you did, and he might even let others do some things to you, but he's gonna do it for your good. Romans 8, 28, he works all things together for your good. Everything God does towards us is good. Listen to this, it's planned and it's excellent. So because we wanna honor our God who's amazing and excellent, we do things and we pursue excellence for it. It means we try to do our best. It means we give our best effort. It means we plan. It means we think through our decisions, our organization, how we do things, why we do things. Listen, it comes down to practical stuff like we straighten the chairs. We start on time. Our building is neat. How many of you thankful it smells good in here? You ever been in a building that just smells funky? We were on vacation this summer and Stephanie, I, I have a spiritual gift of ice cream. And so 
every day on vacation, I told Stephanie, I was like, I want some ice cream. She's like, man, you really need to jog or something. So that's judgmental. Don't be a hater. Anyway, anytime I finish dinner and it, we, we took a few days, just the two of us, we went out of town, just the two of us. Great. Every couple should go somewhere without your kids. And so we're driving by. She's like, we got ice cream in the room. I was like, but it's not the same as the stuff at that place over there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody else like that besides me? We went out and she's like, fine, you go get whatever ice cream you want and I'll eat what's in the room. I was like, good, because that's old. That's three days old. I can't handle that. So I go in this ice cream store and it stunk so bad in the store. I walked in, I was like, yep, I'm out of here. I'm going to the house. Because <laughs> I, look, you ever been in a place where you're like, it don't feel right in here? You ever been in somebody's house where you're like, this feels odd? Maybe that's your car. Backseat looks like all McDonald's wrappers, you know, like we just think, do things well, pursue excellence, make it on time, be organized, put your thoughts together, let it be clean. Hey, you know, we got dream teams that just go through this building between every service just to spruce it up for you so that you have a great experience. Did you know we have folks that show up here at 545 every Sunday? to open doors and turn on knobs and tune guitars and get a service ready for you because we pursue excellence. We want things to be neat and tidy and orderly. We wanna bless people by doing well for them. It's a privilege to try to do our best. You know why? Because God gave us his best, so we wanna do our best for him. Number five, we say we give generously. I love this. Jesus taught it's always better to give than to receive. I've never met a grumpy giver. I've never met a grumpy, generous person. You, you ever have that Christmas gift you can't wait to give your wife or your kid at Christmas? Like you've, you've been listening all year, like, ooh, she said she wanted this. And so then you give it and she unwraps it. It's the most expensive thing you bought. You go, well, I hope you're happy. It's what you said you wanted, golly. Like nobody does that. Generous people are happy people. And we give generously because it's always better to give than to receive. It doesn't take long to be here to know that we love being generous. Generosity is reflected in our behaviors as a people group and as a church, but I'm even though it first starts in the heart. Let me tell you why, because God has been so good and so generous to us. I want you to understand something. Everything God does towards you comes from a place of generosity in him. Watch this. God created the whole universe from nothing without being asked. It was an act of generosity. And then God put us in the center of his creation and gave us authority and dominion over it all. We didn't ask for it. And then he gave us freedom to accept him or reject him. That's called generosity. And then when we rejected God in Genesis 3, God gave us covering. He gave us rules and laws to keep us guided and safe and protected back to him. And then he gave us Jesus who came to die for our sins and raised from the dead to give us eternity. All a gift. We didn't earn it or deserve it. God did it out of an overflow of generosity. And then after he gave us Christ and he raised from the dead, he gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us. Jesus didn't come with a new religion and a new set of rules. He gave us a new paradigm, a new covenant that includes God himself living on the inside of us. What an amazing, generous God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. He's so generous and such a giver. He gives us his word, his law, his grace, his spirit. For God so loved the world that he, God's a giver. He gave. Part of the character of God is to give generously. And so it's our privilege to reflect God's heart of generosity by being generous. I believe generosity looks like how we give away our time. It looks like how we give away our skills and our talents. Playing a guitar on a worship team is a matter of generosity towards the Lord and towards his people. It's not a burden. It's a pleasure to give this to the Lord. 
Tithing or generosity includes stewarding our money. It includes tithing. It includes giving and building offerings and campaigns for clean water and feeding kids and back to school supplies with YAPAC. Generosity is being a good tipper at a restaurant. I'm gonna say that one more time. Did you know servers at restaurants say that Sunday is the worst day of tipping of the week? Any servers in the house? Anybody ever been a server at a restaurant? Aren't Sundays known as the worst day of tipping ever? If you're a bad tipper, eat at Panera. You know what I'm saying? Like go somewhere with no tips. I wanna encourage you to just let generosity be a value you carry every day all the time. Be generous with your time and your skills. Be generous with your personality. Be generous, take phone calls, respond to texts. Like be generous as a person with your life. Number six, we say we develop leaders. I love this. Pastor Aaron did a great job of this. We develop leaders, we develop people. Let me say it like that, we develop people. Jesus had the best leadership training school ever. For many of us, we go to like academies and we go to the field and then we go to training schools and we go to seminars. I've done multiple degrees through a doctorate. And let me tell you what, Jesus didn't do any of that. Here was Jesus' leadership school. You ready? Come with me. Jesus, the God of the universe, the greatest leader to ever walk the face of the earth, always invited people to leave their stank and come be with him. He go, hey, you're caught in the sin of adultery? Don't do that anymore, just come hang out with me. He found a fisherman who had a terrible day of fishing, but he's a pro, Peter. And he says, hey, leave your boats and come with me. Jesus had this attitude, come be with me, come with me. And let me just invite you to be a person who just chooses, I'm gonna develop somebody in my life. I'm gonna develop my kids to know the Lord. I'm gonna develop my spouse. I'm gonna develop a coworker. Hey, how many of you have ever had a coworker that just grates on your nerves? Don't raise your hand especially if your coworker came to church with you this morning. <laughs> Maybe God put them in your life for you to develop her or you to pour yourself into him. We develop people. Jesus had this attitude. He's like, just come with me. And Jesus didn't pick winners when he picked his disciples. I don't know if you've read the gospels. I mean, he picked some guys that some of us would be like, I would never hire that dude. Judas, you know, the whole money thing and stinginess. Peter would never shut his mouth, always saying dumb stuff. Anybody got a friend like that? If you don't have a friend like that, you're that friend. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Peter always saying dumb stuff, putting his foot in mouth. Jesus just brought people around him and here was his attitude. Just come be with me, I'll develop you. And can I just tell you something? As followers of Christ, we have actually been mandated to build disciples, to develop people, to make followers of Jesus. In fact, the mandate of scripture is Disciples of Jesus are people who produce other disciples of Jesus, who then also produce other disciples of Jesus, who then produce other disciples of Jesus. Let me just ask you this question. Who are you developing at all? Is there a coworker you're helping them get better at their job? Is there a child in your home that you're helping them learn how to pray and put down their screens and say yes ma'am and no ma'am to their mother? Is there somebody in your life that you're mentoring or being mentored by? We develop people, we develop leaders. And let me tell you why it's important that we learn this at the church. I think the church is the greatest place to learn leadership development because we follow the greatest leader of all time. Jesus Christ is the greatest leader to ever walk the face of the earth. You know how I know that? He's had more followers than anyone ever. And he's still changing people's lives and he's still inviting people from every walk of life to leave their life of sin and come and follow him. We develop people. This is a great value. Finally, is our value of we grow intentionally. We heard this last week as a church. We believe in growing numerically, but we also believe in growing personally. Some people wanna 
throw shade on big churches. They go, they're all about the numbers. Well, those numbers are humans and fathers and mothers and children and people who matter to God. When I celebrate what's happened at the Hope Center, I gave you numbers of how many men have turned their lives over to Jesus. Of course we care about numbers because we care about people. We don't care about numbers just to brag on numbers. In fact, we don't report our numbers. We report stories of life change and transformation by the numbers. Do y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? So we want to grow as a church. That's why we're adding another campus. That's why we're adding services, why we're growing our staff and our intern pool. We're adding more offerings online, doing more through social media, partnering with more great organizations because we believe in reaching people no matter what, and it matters especially to God. We want to grow as a church, but we also wanna grow internally. I hope that every one of you could say year over year, you've gotten more devoted to Jesus. You've gotten better in your generosity. You've grown as a follower of Christ. How many of you say that's what I want in my life? We wanna grow intentionally. That means getting a small group. That means go through our next steps class. That means put yourself under a mentor, become an intern, learn to read and grow intentionally, grow your prayer life, adopt these values of growing intentionally to grow as a person. Now, these aren't just seven statements of principles or core values that we believe are just for the corporation of the church. Like we didn't just come up with these on a staff retreat one day going, this would be great on a wall in our lobby one day. We actually believe Jesus modeled all seven of these. And because we are the people of God, that these are values that we can emulate in our own lives. So I wanna give you permission and ask you to adopt these seven values into your personal life. In fact, our family, We've adopted these seven plus three more. We have 10 values in our family that, we, that we've adopted. And I wanna encourage you to start thinking this way. If you're a single person, I want you to build strong foundations of the values of how you're built and how you're wired and how you're gonna live your life before you ever go do anything with anybody else. If you're married, if you're raising kids, if you're in your aged years and you're looking towards retirement, it doesn't matter. You can put this in your workplace, put this in your family, and we will live by these values as a church. And let me tell you quickly why. As we get into this, I wanna tell you why we value our values. Second part of this message, why we value our values. First of all, you should have written all seven of these down on that index card or on your notes. And I want you to just take 30 seconds Look at those seven values and grade yourself. Everybody in the room, come on. This is when you look down, not at me because you're taking notes like I asked you to. And I want you to grade yourself. Give yourself a score from one to 10 on all seven of these values, each one individually. Now, by the way, none of you are a 10. I'm just gonna say it now because you're not Jesus. And if you're a 10, then you have no room to grow. But let's say you're really crushing it in one area. You're like, man, I, I really feel close to the Lord. My love for God is pretty strong. I feel very connected to him. Maybe you'd be a seven or an eight. That's a strong end of that spectrum, but you still have room to grow. If there's some of these values that you've never even thought about or considered in your personal life, I wouldn't put you at a zero because you're not dead, but maybe a one or a two. Three, four, five, six, seven. You, you grade yourself right now. Come on, on a scale of one to 10 on these seven values. How are you personally doing? Now, don't ask your wife, don't ask your husband or your kids. Hey kids, how am I doing with loving people? You know, like just you be honest, you be tough, you be real between you and the Lord and evaluate yourself right now. How are we doing? Let me tell you quickly why we value our values. This is a formula I've taught our team. This is something I help coach other churches on and I've actually coached coach business owners on the same concept and principle where we become a values oriented organization. The alternative to being led by our values is that we be led by rules and policies. 
Anybody ever been a part of a place where it's just rules, rules, rules? If you're gonna be here, you're gonna do this, not do this. You better do this and you better not do that. Anybody ever been of a church, part of a church that's policies and rules? If you've ever read my book, we have it available for you uh, in the bookstore, Parable Church. I tell the story, but my, my family was kicked out of the church from the second row in the middle of the sermon because my mom cut her hair at her shoulder, shoulder length and wore some foundation makeup. And he said, you have to leave our church because she wouldn't grow her hair out and she wouldn't, they, we were in a church that required women to not cut their hair, couldn't wear makeup and couldn't wear jewelry. And she did all those things. She was a single mom with three kids. I was the smartest of all of them. But anyway, um, <laughs> she's just trying to survive life with three kids and no husband. And the church that should have embraced her and helped her kicked her out because she didn't follow the rules. Anybody else been a part of a church that hurt you because of the policies and the rules? We've just decided, we do have policies and procedures, don't get me wrong, but we're gonna lead by our values, not our rules. And here's why. The first thing you gotta understand why we value our values is because values direct behaviors. Everyone behaves according to what they value. Everybody does. Have you ever watched the news lately and you go, I can't believe they would do such and such. And I go, I, I totally believe people can do such and such. You know why? Because they have different values than I do. And what you value, what your convictions are, your core convictions as a person will shape what you do as a person. So think about what's happened over the last few years and the way people have behaved. Like anybody ever seen videos online where people are just walking into stores and walking out stealing stuff? And you go, I can't believe somebody would do that. Well, I can't believe it because I have no value in me at all of taking things that don't belong to me. I have a generosity value, not a hoarding, stealing, thieving value. But people who don't share my values, of course they do things different than I do. And I go, I can't believe it. And we judge behaviors, but we really need to evaluate values. Are does this make sense, everybody? Every one of you currently has a set of behaviors that you do all the time that's a reflection of your values. So the question is, if you need some behavioral changes, you can just try to fight your flesh and just get your behaviors right. Or you can go to the Lord and say, God, I don't think I've got some values aligned right now. And I need to get that stuff figured out. If you keep stepping into the, the, the repeated behaviors of, of addiction or sin or hiding things, or maybe the way you're aggressive with your, your family and your wife and kids, those are all a reflection of what you value on the inside. So our values direct our behavior and then behavior shapes culture. They go, what in the world's culture? Culture is the vibe. It's the ethos. It's the, it's the way it feels to be somewhere. I've heard people say, and I'm not trying to brag for my sake, but for your church, people say, man, this church just hits different. This church is great. I've never been to a place like this. I've had a lot of people say to me over the years, you know, I was really nervous coming to a larger church until I got here. I love when people say that to me because honestly, I mean, I just remember when we could barely get anybody to come here and now people are going, it's so big. I'm like, oh man, thank God. Like we've got people coming. You don't even know what that was like. People talk about LifePoint Church based on how it feels. The culture is the vibe. It's the ethic. It's the ethos in the room. Anybody work at a place that it just feels bad to be there? Anybody ever been to a church where it's like, I don't even like being in the room but I'm coming because I'm a Christian and I gotta go to church? Okay, well, second service answered me better than that. This is really valuable for your home. This is valuable for your work life. This is valuable for your friendships. Some of us just, we just endure bad culture. And we go, I, I can't understand why it's like this. I can't understand why it's so tense here all the time. I can't understand why everybody's so stressed out all the time. Well, that's a culture that's a result of the way people behave, which is a reflection of what they value. 
So I, I want us to go, hey, as a church, we wanna have a culture that, man, people are like excited to get to. I mean, I'm always dumbfounded when I walk in the room during our, our Sunday services and I just see people fighting for seats in here. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. That just overwhelms me as a pastor. Well, here's the last reason why this matters. Our values, direct behaviors, our behaviors shape our culture. And watch this. It's the culture of the church that draws people to Jesus. See, every church preaches the same Bible. Every church has a pastor and volunteers and music and songs. Every church has kids ministry and seats and air conditioners. But the reason many of you have stuck it out with LifePoint is because there's something about the environment that has comforted you to get closer to Jesus. You can amen at any time here. That, that, that as we have just been intentional on our values and behaviors, it shapes an environment where you can draw near to Christ. Jesus was a master at this. He was a master at letting people's inhibitions lay down and just comforting the room so that they could hear what he said and they would yield their lives to him. You know who rejected him all the time for that? Was the religious people who had a toxic culture and they were rules-oriented behavior specialists who couldn't imagine somebody getting close to God without following all the rules. Jesus upended that saying, hey, let's just start with, with I love you and you matter and here's some food. You don't even have to pay for it. I mean, Jesus mastered all these values. Think about it. He loved God deeply, prayed all the time. He always talked about the Father. He loved people so much. He, he talked to a woman caught in adultery while he's preaching. That is a weird Sunday morning. For the woman and the pastor and everyone else in the room, they bring her to him while caught in the act, bring her to him while he's preaching. And he says, I don't condemn you. Don't do that. Come follow me. I love you. You're a daughter of God. I see you. He gave generously, man. There was a day he preached so long, everybody was starving. He didn't say, well, call in the food trucks. Let's do a two-hour lunch break. Y'all go to the mall food court. We'll see you back here in a little while. He goes, okay, what do y'all got? Uh, this little kid's got some bread and fish. Take it. It's not stealing. I'm gonna give it back to him. Just, and he multiplied it and fed everyone freely with leftovers. Jesus just modeled generosity. He led his whole life and team by these same values, which dropped people's inhibitions and literally thousands of people were following Jesus. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The only reason we exist as a church is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. But we have to think through what do we value? How do we act? And what does it feel like here to be a place where people can come to know Christ? And if we don't focus on it and we let it slip and we pick up bad values and we behave outside of good values and we create a toxic culture, we can become a church that repels people from the Lord like the church that pushed my family out. One of the greatest fears I would ever have as a pastor is to stand before God in judgment and him say, and here's the thousands of people you could have led to the Lord if your church would have been a little nicer. I just refuse to be that kind of church. If you wanna be an angry, rules-oriented, judgmental church, please go find another one. That ain't gonna be us. Can I hear an amen from LifePoint Church today? But it's gotta be more than on a Sunday. This is how I want you to live Monday through Friday. Let me show you the grid simply as I can say it. Our values produce our cult, our behaviors, our behaviors produce our culture and our culture leads people to Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a mandate from God to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. This is how we do it. Start on the internal conviction, start on the value. So let's go back to your list of values. You all tested yourself on a one to 10. How many of you have some areas of values that you go, I need to grow? 
Please raise your hand. You guys with your hands down are liars. Okay, that's not a value. We love God who said don't lie, so you know, okay. The behavior says, don't you lie. The value is I love God who says not to lie, so I'm not gonna lie. Okay, anyway, I had you grade all yourselves. One to 10. And all of you are seeing some areas where you're like, I'm probably like a two or three here. And in this area, maybe it's generosity. Maybe it's loving people. Maybe you're just really struggling to love people. Let me help you. I wanna give you a takeaway assignment. This is Dr. Burnett here. It's real nerdy, but it's super practical. And I'm telling you, if you will focus on this for the next two to three months, and by the way, August 1st starts 21 days of prayer. So let's commit it to prayer as well. I wanna give you some steps to take that will help you grow in our values. Final thought of the message, how do we grow in our values? Can I show the graphic of all seven values on our big wall here in the back real quick? I want you to see all of them in case you missed any of them. We love God, we love people. We pursue excellence, we choose joy. We give generously, we grow intentionally, we develop leaders. What I wanna do now is I want you to take your evaluation of yourself. And I want you to, you should have written down the value in your score and then next to the two or three lowest scores. If you're doing great in some areas, just keep doing what you're doing in those areas. But where you have the lowest scores, I wanna give you some simple, like if you'll do this, you'll grow this value. Some simple steps. And I'm gonna give you more than you need to do, like six or seven, just do two or three over the next three months, okay? I'll explain it. Let's flip these around. And the first one is if we're gonna, if you say, man, I really need to grow in loving God. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, Mark 12, 30. This is our first commandment. But I struggle with loving God with my whole mind and my whole soul. Okay, here are some steps you can take. We'll put this online. You don't need to take a picture of it. You can if you want, but we'll put it online for you as well. Here's some steps that you can take that'll help you grow in your love for God. Hey, spend time with God every day in prayer. It doesn't have to be long or eloquent or in the King's English. Heavenly Father, how art thou today? Like, doesn't have to be in Latin. Just say, hey, God, what's up? Driving to work today. Man, can't stand these drivers on Wilma Rudolph. Bless the Lord. Help me grow my patience, God, for real. Oh, I just almost hit somebody. God help him, brother. Just talk to God. Spend time in his word every day. Attend church, commit. I'm gonna go to church every day this year. You know, I'm amazed at people who say, I wanna follow Jesus and don't do the things Jesus told us to do. He tells us to be a part of his family. Attend church, worship God often. I'm gonna change my personal playlist. I'm not gonna listen to any jazz or any secular non-worship music for all of August. I'm gonna listen to worship music only. I'm gonna recycle that through. Whatever your jam is, like put it on and worship God often. Don't wait for a singer on a stage. Attend a small group, surrender every day to Jesus. Second, you say, I need to grow in loving people. Jesus in the second part of the first commandment, Mark 12, 31 said, you gotta love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, some of us struggle with that. And I get it, people are hard to love sometimes, especially difficult people, those that have hurt us. So let me give you some steps that you can take to grow in loving people. One is serve them, serve anybody, serve on a dream team, get in our kid point ministry, get in the parking lot, go somewhere and serve others with no strings attached. Pray for people. Hey, the people you hate, pray for. The people you can't stand. Before you post about a politician, pray for that politician. Start praying for people. Let that be a leading edge for you. Pray for others, forgive often. I've had people say to me before, honestly, this is my knee-jerk reaction. People say, Pastor Mike, I need to ask for your forgiveness. I go, you're forgiven. They go, yeah, I haven't even said what I need it for. I was like, I don't care. I chose years ago not to hold a grudge towards anybody. I'm gonna forgive you. So what is it? What'd you do? How dare you? I forgive you. I, gotta, I just choose to forgive. Forgive often. Forgive regularly. Hey, invite a neighbor to church. 
I'm always amazed when people talk about the people that drive them crazy. Like you may have a neighbor or a coworker or somebody that just gets on your nerves, invite them to church. You got four services. They don't even need to sit with you. But like the thing they need is the thing you have. It's Jesus. Invite people to church. If you want to grow in loving people, attend a small group, serve on a serve day, help out at YAPAC, do something with our Hope Center. These are some steps. If you would just do two or three of these for the next 60 to 90 days, you will grow in your love for people. If you say, I need to grow in choosing joy, man, I just, I live negative. I'm a glass half full person. I can't, I think the world's coming to an end. I'm a doom and gloom, sky's falling. Hebrews 12, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Like there is some suffering in this world, but we keep a good attitude that we belong to a different kingdom. Watch this, we choose joy. Here's some ways that you can choose joy and grow in joy. Just pray about everything. Paul said, Pray without ceasing. Pray about everything, everything that frustrates you, everything that stresses you out. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Peter says, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Learn to trust God. Practice gratitude. Can I tell you, gratitude is one of the greatest ways you can grow in joy. Just be thankful for something. Man, I had a total loss apartment fire. Well, at least you weren't in it. Praise God, there's something to be joyful about. Like, I can't stand my job. At least you got a job. I don't make enough money. Well, you got some money. Like, just choose gratitude for something. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? Just learn to be gracious, grateful. Learn to reach lost people. Evaluate your relationships. Some of you have no joy because your friends are a drain. And you gotta get some new friends. Repent from sin. It's hard to be joyful when you're walking in unrepentant, habitual sin that you refuse to give up. Bitterness, unforgiveness, sexual sin, secret sin, the stuff that God's like, hey, I don't want this for your life. Hey, I don't want this for your life. Then we live with shame and condemnation and we live with guilt. It's hard to be in joy when you're living in sin. Here's great, doctor's orders. Dr. Mike Burnett has said to you, the last one, if you wanna grow in joy, take a walk and get some ice cream. Can I get an amen from the church house? Hey, buddy? All right, good. Number four, you say, I wanna grow in excellence. Philippians four, Paul says, Whatever's true and honorable, just and pure and lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent, worthy of praise, give your attention to these things. If you wanna grow in excellence, let me just encourage you with a couple of things. Change your mindset, like think about new things. Simplify your life. Some of you don't have excellence because you've got clutter. Like just go through your closet, empty your back seat, <laughs> clean your desk, simplify your contact list, thin out your friend group, serve others. Stay put longer, quit being a quitter. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If you wanna get excellent, stay put, do hard, right things. Grow and get better, get a mentor, lead others. If you say, pastor, I need to grow in generosity. Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where things can be stolen and destroyed. Rather lay up treasures in heaven. Like, does your investments feel like heavenly? Does, does how you spend your time feel like it's making a difference in heaven? When we talk about hope centers and YAPAC and doing all these things, that feels like building heaven. If all you're doing is tinkering to make your own life a bigger kingdom, and then you go protect it with security cameras and locks and padlocks, and it's not a, that's not a generosity world. If you wanna grow in generosity over these next few months, learn to give away your time. Give away your talent, your skills. Give away the things you treasure. You got some collections of things that are just gathering dust on your shelf, start giving them away. I like colognes, I, I'm a fragrance guy. And I have a few, it's a little annoying, honestly. My wife is annoyed by it. And about every three months I go through and I start giving some away. Cause I don't ever wanna like have a collection that I can't ever share with others. And, and I also don't ever wanna lose the heart of generosity. Give stuff away, let people borrow your stuff. Who cares if they turn it back broken? I know it's annoying, so then you love them by inviting them to church and praying for them. It's all a big cycle. Learn to live on a budget, give to your forward campaign, be a tither. If you wanna to learn to give generously, do some of these things. 
Are y'all, is this helping anybody today, everybody? Okay, last two things and then we got close. We're out of time. So when you go get your kids, I want you to love people and be really kind and be very patient because we love people, including check-in and you're gonna be nice. All right. Number six, you say, I need to grow in developing others. Hey, I wanna ask you, who's the last person you led to Jesus? Your first opportunity is your living room, is your kids' bedrooms. Your first opportunity to develop somebody is in your house, maybe a neighbor or coworker. You know that coworker that just gets on your nerves? You're like, I wish they would get transferred or fired. Maybe the Lord has them there for you to develop them. If you wanna to learn to develop leaders, Paul says in Ephesians 4, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip saints to do the work of ministry. Listen, let me encourage you. Just do a couple of these. Commit to a small group. Go to our next steps class. Get on a dream team. Join our internship. Be a mentor. Be mentored. Go to the Hope Center and learn to serve these guys by developing men to serve Jesus. Multiply your leadership. Finally, if you wanna grow in, in, in growing intentionally, inviting people to church, growing as a person. In Luke 2, 52, it says that Jesus... As a boy, as he grew to be a man, he increased in wisdom, in stature, and favor. That means he got smarter, he got bigger, and he became more likable with God and with people. So I wanna encourage you, if you wanna grow intentionally, join a small group, get through our next steps class. Like as a church, we've got systems in place to help you take these next steps. Join a dream team, find a mentor, get a business coach. Get a, a marriage coach. If, you're, if your marriage is struggling, you go, I don't know how we're gonna grow out of this. Find an older couple that survived what you're going through and be mentored. Try new things, train your kids, stay teachable. Man, I'm just excited. These are values that I believe are good for all of us. They're not just for LifePoint Church corporately. They're for the body of our church, for you to take these and own them as you move forward individually as members of this church. And let me just challenge you. Over these next two to three months, just take two of these areas and two or three of the steps and go, I'm just gonna start employing these. Not because you're trying to prove anything to God or earn his favor, that's a rules religion approach. Because you say, I wanna get better in these areas of values. And remember, maybe you're gonna say, I'm gonna work on number one and number four, and you're gonna do number two and number seven. And you say, I'm gonna do all seven of them because I'm you. And so I just need help in every area, whatever. Listen, as we all grow, rising tide lifts all boats. Our church will continue to get better culture would be more amazing. And listen, we will lead more people to Jesus and we will thrive while we do it. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Hey, let's stand to our feet. Before you leave, let me say a quick prayer over you. If this has been a blessing to you, man, I'm so thankful. Let me pray over you. And if you're watching online, we'll hand over to our campus pastors in just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you let this message permeate deep into who we are, impact us at the very core of who we are, at the soul level, Lord God, let us courageously make decisions to say, God, I need your help. I need to change. I need my changes, not to just be behavioral, but values changes. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us grow intentionally, be more generous, choose joy, love God and people, develop others. God, we thank you that these values would become a part of our everyday life. And Lord, as we grow as a church to be more like Jesus, that you would help us as a church invite more people to Jesus. Thank you, Lord you've given us this word. Thank you that you've given us this series. And Lord, may it challenge us forever moving forward. God, we thank you that you modeled every one of these things. And as we grow in these values, we're growing in our Christ-likeness. Can you just open your hands to the Lord and just pray this with me? If you need to commit your life or recommit your life to Jesus, come on and pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died for my sin, that he gave his life and raised from the dead 
to give me new life and eternal life. I receive it by faith. I ask for your forgiveness and I receive your salvation. Now I will walk with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, come on, to God be the glory. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's say amen together. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our message. My prayer for you is that you've been inspired and challenged by the message and also moved in your devotion to Jesus. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, stay connected or even partner with us through generosity, please be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope you have a blessed week and we will see you next Sunday.